This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hi everybody, Harry Carey here. We've got a great show lined up for you. This is Dirt and Sprague. I once took a pair of binoculars and stared at the sun for over an hour. Why would you do that? Curiosity, I guess. Heck, I'm curious like a cat. I have a couple of friends that call me Whiskers. With Andy Dirt Johnson. Hey, now kid, we all know that the moon is not made of green cheese. Yes, that's true, Harry. But... But what if it were made of barbecue spare ribs? Would you eat it then? And Brendan Sprague. I know I would. Heck, I'd have seconds. And then, then polish it off with a tall, cool Budweiser. Dirt and Sprague on 1080, The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Hour number two on 1080, The Fan. Dirt and Sprague with you. Happy Flop Shot Friday. It's a beautiful little Friday morning. Tiger's about to tee off. Three-day weekend uh, rapidly approaching. We have uh, Eric Gunderson at uh, 7.30, uh, getting some coaching stuff coming up here. I want to start the second hour with the show. And by the way, uh, in about an hour and 15 minutes, I will be attempting to break a world record. Yes, that's happening in the final hour. If you missed one of our shows, I think it was Wednesday's show. It was stat or story. We got a stat about or a story about gummy bears. So there was a gentleman who ate 31 gummy bears in 60 seconds. I believe it was 32. Is it 31 or 32? 31. 31, okay. 31 gummy bears in 60 seconds. And I heard this and went, I eat 32 gummy bears in 33 <laughs> seconds. What's the big deal? <laughs> we found out post-show the guy did it with a cocktail stick. One at one at a time. You can't throw eight of them in your mouth at once. No. So I at eight fifteen, before we spread the line, will attempt to break this world record on the air. Love it. It's not going to be the greatest audio. <laughs> so you're going to do a bit of play by play here. I'll give the play by play. I'll try and like go live on Instagram or something too, so people so can get the visual of it. I will line up thirty two gummy bears and I'll poke and eat. As many as I possibly can in 60 seconds and see if I can break this record. Can we pull that, please? Yeah, poking and eating. And as many as in 60 seconds as you can? As possible, yes. Stuff them down my throat. Um, I want to get to an expectations thing, and I want to tee it up with this. I saw your quarterback on a Talking Ducks show. I didn't know Talking Ducks was still happening. Still a thing. Our own Anthony Newman is on Talking Ducks. Anthony Q. Newman, uh, I think Harrington and Jordan Kent, are the hosts of that, and it's on Root Sports. And I think they have Mariota. That's he's hanging out now, and he's doing that show. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so they had Bo Nix on. Okay, and I thought this was um, it's a interesting, good quote. Bo Nix was asked, like, why did you come back? And this is what he had to say: I've loved my time here, every single part of it, from the time I got here. Just open arms. It's been great uh, to be in Eugene. Great to be around fans. Great to experience game days. Great to win games. Um, but at the same time, you know, I felt like as the year went on, you know, we left a little bit on the table and I would like to come back and just do, um, 
have another shot at it. You know, you only get college football for so much. Yeah. Um, and you know, I've, I'm going to have exhausted all of it. Five <laughs> years is a long time. But, yeah. you know, COVID, um, that COVID year is special because the COVID year was tough on a mm -hmm. lot of things. You didn't develop like you'd like to. So you kind of get in the extra year on the back end, which I feel like I need. And so um, I'm excited for this year. I think we're going to have a really good football team. And um, at the end of the day, I want to go and win a championship. And so that's why I came back. I ask you this question in serious because, uh, you know, spring ball's like about a month and a half away and mm -hmm. we'll slowly work our way towards college football again. What is the expectation for the Ducks? And this question I've asked the last few years, it always seems to shift. And the last few years, I would say it seemingly shifts to the next year. It's so, well, this year they take this step, but then it's next year's team. Now, I will admit, Mario leaving, that that might change things for a lot of people. You get a new coach, that's a new program in a certain respect. But Dan Lanning, they come in this year, they win 10 games, they beat North Carolina. Uh, what is the expectation, especially considering Bo Nix has decided to return to this? I think the expectation is to win the conference, make the college football playoff. That's the expectation. I would say so. With the talent that you have, a okay. returning quarterback, I, I, the expectation is changing. I mean, it, it, everybody moves the goalposts as a fan. 100%. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head on why expectations changed pretty drastically for Oregon. They lost their head coach last year. And when that happened, there was a general wonderment of it, the, where are you going to go from here? Where, who's your quarterback? How is this going to get resolved? You hired a guy that many people had never heard of before to be your head coach, a guy who had never been a head coach before, and it was a grand experiment. How the hell is this going to work? So it's kind of hard in year one, especially considering you had to play Georgia, who was an NFL team in your opening game. Like, How do you put accurate expectations on that? I think we were all just hopeful that they're going to be entertaining, that Bonex could have a good year. But even I wasn't expecting that a year ago at this point. Uh, but when you look at what they're returning, the talent that they have, I, I think the expectation should be they, they clearly have enough to win the conference. They have enough to, in that case, make a college football playoff. They don't have a guaranteed loss on their schedule in Georgia to start the year, which basically put them behind the eight ball. The only way they were going to make the playoff last year was by winning 11 or 12 consecutive games because they'd have to win 11 straight at the end of the regular season and the Pac-12 championship because they were never going to beat Georgia. We all knew they weren't going to beat Georgia. And so you don't have that this year. Texas Tech's a tricky non-conference game, but it's not a guaranteed loss. And you can beat everybody in the conference, will you? I don't know, but you can beat everybody in the conference. There's nobody in the Pac-12 that's an unbeatable juggernaut. And I love the message there from Bo Nix. Like they, things did derail for them late in the season, primarily against the rivals. The negative thought is, well, Dan couldn't beat the rivals. The positive thought is two of your three losses came by a combined seven points, and you very easily could have won both of those games. You had a 21-point lead against Oregon State, let it slip because of a thousand different mistakes, and you had a, you know, you had the lead late against Washington. They score. You go for it on fourth down. Bo gets hurt in that game. Like You could have very easily won both of those. There's some throughout the season that you could have lost. You can play that game both ways, but I think from Bo's mentality, his thought is, we had a great year. We were really humming and rolling. Things got derailed a little bit at the end of the season, and he wants a chance of redemption for that. I would assume, without having done much like film breakdown stuff, I would assume Lanning got an OC very similar to what oh, they, identical. they were running to Kenny Dillingham. Identical. I know his numbers at UTSA were pretty good, and their offense was moving. But I, I think you saw a little bit of this in Buffalo this year. And, I, and I'm going to use this to ask you about Knicks. Like, Brian Dayball turned Josh Allen's life around. He made him a, a, a great quarterback. He mm -hmm. helped lead him to that. Mm -hmm. Cut his turnovers down, helped him with, you know, reads, put him in a great system. And then Brian Dayball went to New York, 
Josh Allen was still amazing, but he turned the ball over substantially more. And then Daniel Jones, who nobody thinks much of, barely turned the ball over. Like, that was a fumbling machine, a turnover mm-hmm. machine in New York. And then Dayball got there, and it basically stopped. I kind of am wondering, Kenny Dillingham going to Eugene last year and getting Bo Nix to 71.9%, 3,500 yards, 29 tutties to seven picks. It's a good year. A 165.7 rating. I mean, Dirt, his completion percentage, this is the year by year as a starter, 57.6, 59.9, 61. And last year it jumped to 71.9. That's such a good season. I think it's fair to say, will Oregon and Bo Nix be able to replicate that kind of production now that the former offensive coordinator is gone? I don't have any reason to think they won't. Really? I don't. You don't think that could? uh, Just just to to play the other side here, given what the numbers were from his previous stop to what his year in Eugene was, you don't think there's a a bit of a come well, down from that kind of production. I mean, of given course, what there he could was. Be. Of course, there could be. I'm not expecting it. I, I, I do find the coaching thing interesting and funny though, because a year ago, what were we all saying about Kenny Dillingham? He's like 31. He's nope, never he's called never his called own plays. plays. He was with yeah. Gus Malzahn and, and Mike Norvell at Florida State. When that hire was made, it was roundly criticized. Yeah. From everybody who seems to be in the know in college football. Yep. I've looked at his numbers. I've looked at his offenses. This is an underwhelming. That was the whole takeaway. And then he turned Bo Nix into a Heisman contender, and he got a head coaching job in one year. So, I, you know, this whole, like, can you, can you replace him? It's just funny. to me. I, just, I chuckle at that notion because a year ago, nobody thought you would have to replace him because he got a head coaching job. You thought maybe you'd have to replace him because it was a bad hire. And here we go, another head coach that doesn't know how to get an offense right. They had eight straight games where they scored over 40 points. Is Kenny Dillingham a big part of that? Of course he is. But I also think there's a million brilliant offensive minds out there in college football, and Kenny Dillingham is not the only one. A lot of their success came from the fact that Wombo Nicks is an incredibly experienced quarterback. Like That dude's been through a lot in his career, and he's now going into year five. So I don't expect him all of a sudden, after building his confidence up, to take a step back. The other thing that led to Oregon's success as an offense last year was the fact that they had one of the best offensive lines in the country. Now, they've lost some key pieces from that offensive line, but when you look at the way they hit the transfer portal, one of the most aggressive areas they were were offensive line. They brought in one of the best offensive linemen in the portal, a kid from Rhode Island. They brought in a three-year starter from Texas, so they've already immediately plugged holes to go with Josh Connerly, who was the number one offensive tackle in the country and a true freshman last year and should probably play a bigger role. So I don't expect the offensive line to take a step back. That was a question at the end of last season. And I think no matter how, whether you're elite, good, average, like wherever you fall on that scale as an offensive coordinator, if you have an elite offensive line, it's going to mask deficiencies because you can run the football. And if you could run the football, everything else explodes in your offense. So I, I noticed I've noticed what you've said about that, and, and a lot of this I, I totally agree. I, I guess what I would say is Oregon State lost their runnings back, running backs coach. Mm-hmm. And, and for many, you can go, so? But if you're plugged in at all or you talk to somebody, you'd find out that that's one of their better recruiters. That's a, that's a, that could be a big loss for Oregon State. If Oregon State lost their offensive line coach, I, I, I would be devastated. Oregon has lost a few coaches this offseason, mm-hmm. and you don't seem to think that, like, the, at least the perception to me when you talk about defensive coordinators, a new one of those, you got a new offensive coordinator, you lost your offensive line coach, but now you have a new one. It just doesn't seem like there's any drop off. There's no, like, 
how I would feel about Oregon State losing their offensive line coach. You don't seem to have that by any of these coaching replacements at all. I don't, no. I think our programs are in drastically different spots. No, I know they're in drastically different spots, but like, it's still like coaching turnover impacts seemingly every program in the country outside of maybe Alabama and Georgia. Well, I, again, I think I think ta- as long as you're making good hires, you can overcome it. Like there are other fish in the sea that you can go find. But you, what I'm saying is, you don't seem very. I don't know if concern's the right word, but like you don't seem to look at the, and maybe this is more who I am as a person. You're not seeing the bad side of it. You're just like, well, yeah. Next man up. Yeah, I, I think right. part of my mentality is like, like this is going to be this, the nature of Oregon football. And I'm not, I don't ever get too hot and bothered by it because coaches are going to come and go. Dan Lanning himself might come and go. Every time a coach is gone, there's always another guy waiting that has done just as good or elevated the program more. When Willie Taggart left after one year, it felt like this is a death blow. To, like, how are you going to recover from this? You're a year removed from Mark Elfridge, and three years later, you were winning the Rose Bowl. When Mario Cristobal left, it's how are you ever going to recruit at this level again? And Dan Lanning just had the second-best recruiting class in the history of Oregon football. So a lot of it can be doom and gloom. I think the difference between our two programs, though, and where you're at— now, I'm not saying Oregon assistant coaches can't get there— but there is a d- direct line that you can draw on Corvallis to evaluating guys out of high school, recruiting them, developing them, turning them into legitimate players. Whereas Oregon, the, the usual argument is, I mean, you just you sign a four-star kid and he's ready to come in and play. There's not as much quote-unquote development that goes on. And so I think at a place like Oregon State, you're far more reliant on developing your, your players as you are at, at Oregon just because of your ability to hit the transfer portal and your ability to recruit. And we have proof that has been pointed out on the field how good your running backs coach is because how good your running backs have been. A lot of them untouted, like, who the hell is that kid coming out of high school? Two years later, he's a stud. And the same thing goes with your offensive line. Whereas these guys at Oregon were there for one year. I mean, how much credit do we how much credit do we give them? I, I'm not saying they deserve no credit, but Adrian Clem inherited one of the best offensive lines in the country last year. And you know what they actually struggled mightily to recruit last year? Offensive linemen. They had a really hard time signing offensive linemen. So, like, I I don't lose a lot of sleep over that because he was there for one year. Now, if they hire a coach that, you know, let's say Will Stein is here, right, and he does it again with Bo Nix, he's their new offensive coordinator. He develops Novasad, the quarterback. He ends up having a good run. He's there for three, four, five years, and you see it like, damn, this dude is a legit star, and they lose him. I think it's going to hurt a lot more. But when a guy's only in a place for one season, you don't really ever – connect with them as a fan to a coach kind of relationship and i just don't know how much credit to give them because it was one year it's not a very big sample size uh we have a coaching conversation to have eric gunderson at the bottom of the hour dirt and sprague back with more on the fan you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Eric Gunderson's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll get his thoughts on the Blazers. Does he still enjoy the All-Star Weekend? I have... Um... You know me. You've known me for a while. I, mm-hmm. I This used to be my weekend. Like, I this love this. This ain't it anymore. I think it's a terrible weekend now. I what about, even the game, though? You still don't get up for the game's not entertaining for you? Because I think the change that they made with the Elam ending has been a really po- big positive. No, no, no. The game is the only thing. The only I, thing you're worth watching. Yeah, I mean, if Dame wins a three-point contest, that'll be cool. Okay. Uh, mainly just for the local tie, but the dunk contest is going to be trash. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I, I just I've I've been watching this thing a long time, man, and it's Gundy had an interesting tweet. He basically said, "We're you can just feel moving closer and closer to a tournament than instead of doing this all star crap." Yeah, and I you know there's a whole that's a whole another subplot of how would that work and would fans care about it? I if I'm around, it's not appointment television for me, but like if I'm sitting around on the couch on Saturday night, which I should be, uh, I'll turn on the three point contest. That's one that will still do it for me. And then the game's on Sunday, right? Uh, yeah, Sunday. So it's Sunday night. So, yeah, if I'm sitting around Sunday night, which I probably will be, I'll turn on the All-Star game for a bit. Help me with this. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do with this Eric Bieniemy situation. <laughs> Eric Bieniemy's won two Super Bowls. Yeah. He's the offensive coordinator and title for the Chiefs. Now, there's been conflicting info when they won the Super Bowl the first time and the year after that. I I had heard via Andy Reid that Bienemy uh, was calling plays, and then I saw a thing earlier this season, like early, like week three or four, and they're talking about how Reid was calling plays, and then they won the Super Bowl, and Reid did nothing but shout out Eric Bienemy for calling the key plays on key touchdowns. Yeah, he did. So whether he's calling the plays every play or what, he's the offensive coordinator of a team that's won two Super Bowls, and he's the offensive coordinator that. In years past, when the offensive coordinator had a quarterback like Mahomes, it was, man, look what this guy's doing with his quarterback. I just talked about Brian Dayball and Josh Allen. Eric Bieniemy is reportedly on the verge of becoming the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commies. I don't know what to make of this. I, I understand there's a certain portion of our audience that's sitting there going, oh, God, the race thing. It's not always about race. I, I don't know what to make of that situation other than the racial component here, because if you were to make Eric Bieniemy white, he'd have a head coaching job. I think he would already been a head coach for a couple years at this point. I don't, I don't understand what to do with that. He is asked and is going, if, if this Washington commander thing ends up happening, there's only one reason he's taking that job. And that is he wants to get out of the shadow of Andy Reed, wants to get out of the shadow of Patrick Mahomes be the clear sole play caller and show that I can do it without those guys. The issue I have with that is nobody else has held to that. Nobody standard. else has had to do like, that. We have gone through, I don't know how many off where essentially if, if an elite offensive minded head coach, a la Sean McVay has farted within fen- 10 feet of you, you get a head coaching job just by, just by association of fart. Like you get a head coaching job. That's how it's worked for, a dozen head coaches now, it feels like. We had back-to-back off-seasons where his quarterback coach or his offensive coordinator, despite the fact that it's not their offense, despite the fact that they weren't calling the plays, it was mainly Sean McVay 
they were still allowed to get you know move on in their careers. We've had Nathaniel Hackett got a head coaching job. He was the Green Bay Packers quarterback coach and offensive coordinator. He didn't call the plays in Green Bay. Yet they gave him a head coaching job in Denver, mainly because they tried to entice Aaron Rodgers. But it just shows how some people are allowed to play by a different set of rules. And I I feel bad that the enemy has to make this choice. Like your point on Brian Dayball is a great one. Brian Dayball was a was an okay offensive coach. He was okay at Alabama, good, like had the best talent in the country, so I don't think people gave him a ton of credit for that. He gets to Buffalo. Josh Allen is an MVP caliber quarterback. Now, we gave him the credit for that, but it's interesting who we're willing to give credit for and who we're not. Like, we give him the credit for Josh Allen, whereas we don't give Eric Bieniemy any of the credit for Patrick Mahomes. And part of that is, yes, Andy Reid is on that staff, and we know he's a brilliant mind, but if we're going to do it for – all of Sean McVay's assistants who all got head coaching jobs, why are we not doing it for Eric Bieniemy? It doesn't make sense. Well, it's also kind of a an odd thing. Like I, it, it does feel like he's going to Washington to do what you said. He's trying to he's trying to show, hey, like, I don't need these guys. Yeah, I can like, do it on my own. Guys, I know what to I know what I'm doing here. I know how to coach football. I I don't need Patrick Mahomes. Now I would argue having Patrick Mahomes is great and sure. You know, I pfft, easy for me to say not being in it maybe he feels like this is i have to do this at this point this is all i can do to get recognition beyond reed i i feel like that'd be a great situation to just stay in though if i didn't get a head coaching job is i mean that's the rest of your next 10 years of your career patrick's easy to coach because he wants to be coached and andy seems to give you a lot of love and credit and it seems like their working relationship is is fine i not to mention the fact that andy reed at some point is going to retire well now he's going he's going to maybe the most dysfunctional organization <laughs> in pro sports who yeah. yes the owner's selling but he hasn't sold yet like yeah. i don't know what that situation's going to be even there but I, I i don't know man i've been watching football enough in my life to know that despite who the head coach is when the assistant or the coordinators have this they almost always get the head coaching guy. I mean, the the Eagles, Eagles just have both coordinators leave. Both of them. Gannon and Steichen are both head coaches. Arizona and Indy. And I'm not saying they're not going to be good. People like Steichen's offense. Gannon is more of a mystery card. He seems to think he's the guy for the job in Zona. But, like, no matter how you feel about those hires, they had one great year. <laughs> right. One. Right. I mean, hell. With the most talented roster in football. Uh, yeah, arguably the most talented roster in football. Uh, Mike McDaniel's in Miami, like same thing. I I was excited about it. He's a different dude. He speaks differently and gives his thoughts in different ways. But and technically that counts, by the way. The NFL counts that black head coach. But if you don't read anything about Mike McDaniel, I don't know if you're always guessing that. And so, like, my point with him is he wasn't also calling plays. He was helping Shanahan a lot. He's a super smart guy. But I, I just. The NFL continues to say this every single offseason. Ah, we're working on it. We want more progress. I mean, I don't know what you do. I honestly don't numbers, know what you do at this point. The numbers just don't bear out that they're making much of any progress, to be honest with you, at that specific spot. And Eric Bieniemy, whether he's a good coach or not, I, I don't know if he'd be a great head coach. Nobody knows. But I also have no idea if Shane Steichen knows what he's doing. So for everybody that responds... Well, guys, Andy Reid's there. I mean, you don't know. Cool. Tell me about all the other assistants that get head coaching jobs that have never coached before. You don't share the same opinion. No. It's like, well, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles were pretty good. Like, Let's hire their OC. Do you even though what is Nick Sirianni? He's an offensive guy. He was the offensive coordinator of the Colts. He's so who's who's who do we give credit for for Philly's offense? 
Nick Sirianni or Shane Steichen? I, I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs completely of who calls the plays there. But Steichen, I think, calls the plays, but Sirianni's working with him. It's just funny to me that he immediately gets a head coaching. I mean, it's yeah. a prime example of it. He immediately gets a head coaching job because they had a great year. And I'm not saying Shane Steichen doesn't deserve a head coaching job, but they get to the Super Bowl, they have this great year, boom, let's hire the offensive coordinator. Whereas in Kansas City, it's like, ah, who, who wants that guy? It's a bad look for the league. Personally, I, I, I think it's a really bad look for the league. It's a really complicated issue, and I don't know if there's anything you can do about it. I genuinely don't because it's, these it's, are owners that have their – it's their private company. They yeah. own the team. They can hire and fire whoever the hell they want. It's their company. But the league created the Rooney Rule. Does it seem like the Rooney Rule is working? No, it's clearly not working, and it's mostly, I think, just a, a, a token gesture, if I you will. I mean, thing. that was the whole Brian Flores thing where you're only bringing me in for an interview against Brian Dayball – and it's only because you need to check a box. It's only because you need to say that you interviewed a, a candidate of, of color. And he knew that he wasn't going to get the job. That was the precipice of the entire lawsuit, that teams are just doing it knowing they have to do it. Check the box, and you move on and hire the, whoever the hell you want. We'll go to Eric Gunderson. It just it doesn't feel like a very complicated issue to me. It feels pretty obvious. Yeah, I just I like pointing out the hypocrisy of why we give some guys credit and why we don't give other. It just doesn't make sense to me. And it, we tend to see where that hypocrisy plays out, don't yes. we? He should go to go coach with the Rams, get farted on by Sean McVay, and maybe he'll get a head coaching job right away. I would think an Andy Reid fart would suffice, <laughs> given Andy Reid and how great he's been. But he's got to have is. a lot of gas too. All those cheeseburgers. He's There's eaten. no chance Andy Reid doesn't take massive dumps. There's no chance. <laughs> Got to be a gas X guy. Eric Anderson, he covers the NBA and has for quite some time. We'll talk a little hoops with Gundy next. We'll spray the line, and I'll try to break the gummy bear world record with a toothpick. All of that is ahead. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. In this wide world of sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. This is the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about, and some you haven't. How'd you do that? I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The Daily Ticker with Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. All right, Daily Ticker time here on a Flop Shot Friday, but it's also a Fast Break Friday. It is NBA All-Star Weekend. The Portland Trail Blazers taking a little bit of time off. Lillard's going to be playing in the game and shooting in the three-point contest. Let's talk about the first half and more with our good friend, Eric Gunderson, at Blazer Banter on Twitter, of the Bulls v. Blazers podcast and newsletter. Go check it out and subscribe. Uh, Gunderson, good morning to you. It's great to catch up with you. How we feeling, man? Anthony Simons goes down, up and down, first half, and now you're without, you know, you would argue your second best player right for for a couple of weeks here just what's the what are the vibes in eric gunderson's mind right now around the portland trailblazers i mean it's it's tough right now because you lose ant and you know he's been even when dame was out he was having big games scoring a lot of points and now even more than it's been for the past month or two it's just it's going to be more on dame to uh, make things happen and try to get the Blazers in the playoffs. Yeah. If that's, you know, I think that's still what, what he's trying to do. 
Yeah, but Gundy, I mean, look, I, I love Dame. Dame has done a lot of things when I didn't think he could or they could. Uh, the ant injury might not be as devastating as we initially thought. This team wasn't even good when he was playing. Like, they're just not good. And I know the West is not amazing, especially, I think, at the back end. But if you were to wager, would you wager on them making the playoffs or ultimately hitting the tank at the very end of the year again? Right now, I'd say they'd probably miss it. Yeah, I, I would say they'd probably miss the playoffs at this point. Um, I thought they would make the playoffs earlier in the season. Um, but I, right now, with the injuries, the way they're playing defensively, and, I mean, look, I, I, I think whether they tank or not will take care of itself in that immediate, like, five to seven games after the break. Yeah, you get an immediate look at it coming out of the All-Star break. We're talking with Eric Gunnarsson, Blazer Banter, at Blazer Banter on Twitter, Bulls v. Blazers uh, podcast. Um, the trade deadline, I think Gundy was a weird one where I, I had like two different feelings in my head at the same time. Part of me is frustrated. You want more. Dame wants to win. You're trying to capitalize on that timeline while also acknowledging that maybe that deal wasn't out there and moving on from certain players to acquire more assets was probably the, the best course of action. Uh, and then you had the whole warrior you know, drama BS going on at the same time as well. But uh, the reaction to the trade deadline from you, because I know I, I I went back and forth. I think I settled on. I'm okay with it because they, they, you know, they put themselves in a position to make a move this offseason. But how did you feel about the deadline now that it's come and gone? You know, Dirt, I, I, I think it was similar – in the sense that, yeah, you, you, you wanted to try and you wanted to get a second star, but the reality of it was they didn't have the ability to access their picks. They weren't able to make that happen. And, and picks were the cost of doing business to make big moves happen at the deadline. And I thought that honestly, they did a good job of getting a first for Josh Hart, which, you know, all, a lot of the rumors were like a bunch of second round picks and maybe a, a prospect that you would get. And the fact that they got a prospect in Cam Reddish, in Cam Reddish and also get a first-round pick is, is good. And also, you know, that pick could be used down the line. Let's say these guys miss the playoffs and they keep their pick. They still have to unlock that Chicago pick, and then that Knicks pick becomes even more useful right. down the line to potentially say, hey, Chicago, you might not get a pick at all. Here's a non-lottery first, which is – the best you could have done anyway and give us our pick back. And now we're, we're good to go. And then Portland can start using their picks to package them together, package pick swaps, like all those things that get big deals done. They didn't have the ability to do that yet. And so I thought the fact that they traded players that they recently acquired in Hart and Peyton and were able to get on the plus side assets wise of those deals is great because for instance, the 2019, 20 season, uh, Neil Shea gets Kent Bazemore in the off season <laughs> ends up having to salary dump him. And with two picks, <laughs> two second round picks for the honor of having Trevor Ariza on the team. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and so like, yeah, it wasn't like ideal. They didn't make ma major upgrades, but they made some changes and they came out on the plus side of the assets, you know, move. Yeah, so it, I, I thought that it, it was, like you say, Dirt, they set themselves up in a much better position to potentially make a move for a second star caliber player in the offseason. I find it odd, Gundy. It, it feels like 
it, it feels like some of us are drawing comparisons and and we're acting like they're you know comparable to what Joe has done compared to Neil whereas like Neil got a a, a decade and and Joe's been here like maybe a year in this position. I don't know if Joe's going to be good and do the right thing with those assets, but I I find the whole comping, hey, the, the last guy did this and this guy's doing that like I don't know. I just I find that whole thing to to personally be a little weird. Now let me ask you Let's not go Joe here. How do you feel? How am I supposed to feel about Chauncey Billups? Like their their defense. Like Terry was fired because their defense was bottom five. Their bottom five defensively. Terry was fired despite their offense being, you know, top twelve in the league. They're top twelve in the league offense. Like they're the same team with Chauncey Billups. Like where are you at with Chauncey right now? Yeah, you know, I I. I uh... I'm, I'm, I am a little confused. It feels like the the points being scored are just coming in different ways than they used to. It's a lot more open corner threes. It's a lot more of, of like, you know, hard rotations and, and then just giving something up on the back end because they're not connected. And, yeah, I, 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 I you know, I, I'm a little confused about uh, – what is going on with him and Nasir Little? Uh, I, I I don't think there's anything like beef or anything. It's just like it does seem like Nasir isn't getting on the floor and has been here for a while. And I, I thought that he, you know, uh, has shown enough to, to get playing time. I get that Reddish is a bigger guy. So I, I understand maybe going in that direction. But, uh, I, I, you know, I do applaud him for going to more just, like, give Dame the ball and pick and roll and let him cook mm-hmm. because their offense was stagnating for a little bit there. And, uh, you know, I, I like what he's done with Trenton Watford, going to him more. But, yeah, you know, it hasn't been like this, like, one thing I think that is, is just a takeaway is that I do think a lot of times – Whereas Portland always had like a set style of play with Terry Stotts, like you knew what you were going to get. I do feel as though the Blazers really adjust to their opponents a lot more, which I think sometimes can lead to like a lack of like what, who are you as a basketball team? If it changes every single night based on who you're playing. And it's a matchup based league, which is important, but I do think there is something to be said for being who you are on a nightly basis. And I think that the Stotts teams definitely had that, even though they had their, 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 their drawbacks and their shortcomings, they always had an identity of who they were. And I think one of my critiques right now is I still don't know who these guys are mm-hmm. as a group. Um, even as, for as much as the style for the style of play and what they do on a nightly basis. It's like game. I can take to the bank, the team as a group. I don't understand. I don't, really see an identity still and i think chauncey's trying to get that but it's i've not seen it yet yeah that's a fair criticism for sure we're talking about uh, eric gunderson bulls v blazers podcast at blazer banter on on twitter last one for me for you gundy i don't know if spray guys anything else but uh we, we're getting you're 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 a man of the people the fans love you and you're getting listener questions now at the fan text line <laughs> and somebody's Gundy's great gundy he's the best man he he's once came on the show on the toilet and we'll always love him for it. i just like to believe he's always on the toilet yeah kind of yeah me too it is, there's a bit of a toilet vibe in the background yeah. of the sound I, I think you can hear the echoes there somebody said you know it, it, and i gundy i've had a hard time answering this one too because i I, 
I'm not quite as pessimistic about the next year or so as some, and I don't really know how to put my finger on why that is. Maybe it's just simply it's not Neil O'Shea in charge anymore. But like we Blazer fans have been sold that bill of goods for a, like oh oh don't worry next year oh uh, this off season don't yeah. worry we got right. asked next year is the year we're gonna do it and Joe to I mean he did it at his press conference right a week ago whenever it was saying hey you know we're in a position we're ready to go all in like we got those picks you mentioned how you can get out of that Chicago uh, pick conundrum potentially this summer but somebody's just simply asking like for a lot of frustrated fans it feels like the same thing over and over and over again what's different about this time with the same conversation of let's kick the can down the road. I just I just think that given where the team is at, where Dane is at is in his career, yes, Joe Cronin is the general manager, but we all know the ownership situation is very fluid. Like, it just seems like there's a lot more incentive for Joe Cronin in this position, and he's already shown it to roll the dice and not just and, – and by roll the dice, I mean not just package a couple of draft picks together to move up in the draft, to actually – make a gamble and bet on Damian Lillard and bet on him. And I think that with the ownership situation being kind of in flux, like if a new owner comes in, like who knows what is going to happen to the front office. So like to me, it's kind of they're in a position where they've got to do right now. And I, and I think that it's that, that to me is why I believe that this is, a little bit different than years past um, because he's also just has, I think more of a proclivity to like want to do this and want to make a bet on Dame and, and, and really go for it instead of, you know, um, always being afraid to kind of mortgage some of the future because, uh, 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 because of Portland being the market that it is or whatever. I think uh, Joe Cronin has a little bit more of a, you know, a willingness to try that. And that, that's just my opinion, but I think that's what is different. Also, I think the ownership situation might play a factor in it as well. Yeah, uh, one yeah. word answers and you got to go. No explanation. They trade Anthony Simons this summer, and who's the league MVP? Yes, and I think Joel Embiid right now is my MVP just because of how great the Sixers have played lately. Okay, there you go. Blazer Banter on Twitter. Give them a follow. Eric Gunderson, subscribe to the Bulls v. Blazers podcast and uh, the Blazer Banter newsletter and podcast as well. Great stuff as always. Thanks for waking up for us on the uh, early on a morning on a Friday. Enjoy All-Star Weekend, and we'll catch up again soon. Thanks, guys. There you go, Eric Gunderson. Live always, from the toilet. Live from the toilet. We always <laughs> enjoy it, man. Live from the toilet. I thought our phone was bugging out. It sounded like I didn't know if he just like, cut out on yeah. him, and then he stopped talking too. So it was like, <laughs> oh my god! And I look over, and Swag's gone. He's in there eating crab. He's over there pounding the crab. You think he's pounding crab or taking pa- old man peeing? Oh, uh, okay, both pounding crab. I think he's old, old man, man peeing, peeing and yeah. then grabbing crab on his way back from old man. No, peeing. I was getting crab. I had to go. <laughs> Get a little bowl or something from the kitchen. He doesn't want to talk about it, but Swag's got a little bit of the old man bladder now. Yeah, he's you know, going quite a bit, but it, that means he's also hydrated. Not everybody's prostate age as well, you know? Sometimes it goes quicker <laughs> than others. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Blazers and the second half of the season because it is All-Star uh, Weekend. We'll continue on this train next on the fan. All right, I got like 15 things I want to get to in the final hour of the show. We're not going to have time for all of them, so we'll see. Choose your own adventure. Pick and choose on a flop shot Friday. Sprague's going to break a world record potentially at 8.15. I got to line up my gummy bears, and I also didn't get the gummy bears that are my favorite, but we'll still get it done. Which ones are your favorite? Those are These are the only ones I feel like I know. What is it, Haribo? How do you say it? How do you pronounce uh, it? Haribo. Haribo? Um, 
Is there a different kind of gummy bear out there that yeah. I'm unfamiliar with? Yeah. I mean, you know me. I'm not a gummy candy guy. I like the Albanese ones. Oh, okay. Those uh-huh. are somewhat newer to the scene than Black Forest and uh, okay. Haribo, but Albanese to me has the best flavor. All right. Fair enough. Well, we're going to try and break a world record here at 815. So, uh, 32 stay- gummy bears in 60 seconds with a toothpick. With the toothpick. I brought the toothpick, so I should be a part. I think, I think my name should be on the record if you said it. That uh, We need to call Guinness and let them know something's going down here in about uh, 20 minutes or so. Uh, we will spring the line in the final hour. A million other things to get to, but it is All-Star Weekend. And I, yeah, I'm just kind of curious where we're all at. You know, we, we, we talked about it a bit earlier this week. Anthony Simons goes down. We find out yesterday, what is it, a grade two ankle sprain. And so you're looking at probably missing three weeks, two to three weeks, and anywhere in the range of eight games, nine games, depending on how quickly in the next week the rehab goes because they are an All-Star break. But I'm just wondering where we're going to be at in the coming weeks. And at, at what point... Unplugging isn't the right word, but I mean, obviously, if a team is not winning, we get to that point where it's just not quite the same. And I'm, we're all rooting for the tank, I think, at that point to get a better lottery ball. But where are we at on the Blazers at the All Star break and the excitement level for the second half of the season? Um, I say this as a radio host and a podcast host talking about Blazers. I think a lot of people are checking out uh, this team. Do you think they're already there or they're close to getting there? No, I, I think most people are there. This team's not good. Like, if, if you're not a diehard eat, breathe, sleep Blazers fan. Say you like the Blazers. I like the Blazers. I hear that a lot. I like the Blazers. Oh, yeah, the Blazers. <laughs> like, yeah. what are you watching for? Cam Reddish? Cam Lillard, Reddish is I mean, not Lillard's gonna... a reason to watch. Yeah, I know. But unfortunately for him, his team sucks. True. Like, I, I, I know. I saw. Um, I looked at the schedule. Their first seven games, like, I, I look at that schedule and I go, I eh, could win, should win, could, could, could. It's a lot of, like. Coulds with question marks. They could. But even when Ant was healthy, this team's not good. We need to live in the reality of this team is not good. So this playoff idea is, you know, fine. You get to the play-in. You, maybe you make the six. I, I don't think you'll get to the six seed, but you make the play-in. Maybe you get in. You're going to get smoked in round one. And I, I just, am I getting excited for that? I mean, Blazers in the playoffs is interesting, but I, th- I think a lot of people are checking out. Man. Okay. I do. So, Ag, where are you at? They're... I'm curious to see. I want to see Thibault. I want to see Reddish. I want to see if they. I feel like they could be parts of something bigger in the future. But mm-hmm. as far as now, I, I mean, I think they're going to struggle to even get in the play-in. Oh, I mean, they're not even in it. They're not in it. <laughs> yeah, what are they, the 11th seed, Lakers, 10th seed? What are they right now? They're 12th, they're I 12th. think. 12th. And the Lakers are right behind them, and they're all intent on getting into the play-in, at least in, in the playoffs when they get, they get everybody healthy out there. They and, are for now. Don't forget what Joe said at his press conference. I thought that was eye-opening. Someone basically asked about the, not, tanking is not the right term because GMs can't publicly say that. But basically, there will become a point where they pull the plug. Yeah, like whether <laughs> yeah. Dame's healthy or not. Maybe Dame even wants to play. I don't know. He's that kind of competitor. But I, don't don't overlook the idea that they could tank. Tankathon.com is a you know it's a random. You played a lottery game. Uh-huh. They played it yesterday. You know who won? The Portland Trailblazers. Who had a 2% chance of getting the first pick, which I think is close Wamba to what the odds Yama. were. Wamba Yama. For oh, well, see, so. I don't think they have to go into some special tank mode. They're not going to try. What you they said, they're, not, they're, not, they're not great. They're not good. They're not a good they, team. Defensive, I'm still waiting to see this defensive change. Who knows if Nurt comes back? Oh, God. Um, 
And so if they have to play with Trenton Watford and Drew Eubanks, God bless those two. They're fun to watch and they give everything that they have, but they're six foot eight and six foot nine. So even if they go out there and I mean, we've seen that Dame can put up 40 and they can lose by 12. I mean, it happened in their last game. He went for 39, and they lost by 25 points to the Washington, <laughs> sums Washington up, Wizards. Yeah, it sums up a lot so of the season. So I, I, I'm curious. I want to see Nas get more run. I want to see Shaden get more run. I'm interested, but it's kind of like when your baseball team's out of it and they call all the yeah. minor, all the all the September call-ups. Okay, I've heard about this kid. Can he pitch yeah. at the major league level? Can he hit at the major league level? I, I'm just also I, – I can tell you this – I'll I'll give thoughts on it. I'm still watching. I am as a fan, admittedly getting a little tired of that. And and look, this is a big offseason for Joe Cronin. I, I'm not playing the whole well, Neil did this and Joe's don't only done this. I'm not playing that game. I want to see what he does in the summer. I, I'm getting admittedly a little tired of being the franchise and being a fan of a team that is doing what you said, Swag. I want to see if Matisse Thibault, who was drafted four years ago and has caught, not caught on, and he's been relegated to not playing for Philadelphia. I want to see if he's a piece. Can Cam Reddish turn his attitude around? We've been living in that world for a while. Hey, Kent Bazemore is going to be the missing piece here. Like, I'm getting kind of tired of that. I want guys that I know. I want guys that I feel like I can count on. I Maybe Matisse will be a guy, but... There's a there's a fan part of me that's like I'm just tired of playing this game. Hey, what do you think of us adding Mello? <laughs> it's gimmicky, and I think it'll get us talked about, and not in the greatest way. I'm just kind of tired of living in that reality. Yeah, that's fair enough. What are your thoughts? Five zero three eight six four six three two six. That is the new fan text line number. Hit us up. It is the All Star Weekend in the NBA. I want to talk a little bit about that because it is All Star Weekend. Um, what else we got? College baseball starts today. Where the hell did that come Woo! from? Surprise, Arizona. Let's go, baby. Uh, we're attempting to break a world record on the show at eight fifteen. Uh, a couple of golf notes I want to get to. Somebody died yesterday. There is a lot. Spraying the line coming up at eight thirty. It's going to be a loaded final hour. Don't go anywhere. Dirt and spraying on ten eighty. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 